The epistle reading today comes from the second chapter of Philippians, verses 5 through 11. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The Gospel reading this morning comes from the 11th chapter of Mark, the first 11 verses. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Tell him, The Lord needs it, and we'll send it back shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway, as they untied it, some people standing there asked, why are, why are you doing this, untying the colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. This morning, as we go through the sermon, I need you to stay with me because this sermon is going to take a slightly unusual turn in the in the middle of the sermon, and if you aren't staying with me, you might miss that and then wonder how we got to where we were. When I was a child, seven or eight, still young enough that coming down to the front of the church for children's sermon was an exciting thing to do, I remember one children's sermon that, that I was called down front for. Our minister had just returned from a trip to Israel. This was way back in the days when making a pilgrimage to the Holy Land was something unusual, and very few people had ever traveled there. But our pastor went, and he brought back all of the children a bookmark that had pictures from the Holy Land on it. And the amazing thing is, I have found those same bookmarks every time that I've been to Israel. They're still sold there. But he sat all of the children down front, and he talked to us just for a few minutes about some of the things that he had witnessed in, the, in his trip to Israel, and in particular, in his trip to Jerusalem. And I remember thinking on that day, I'm going there one day. I want to go to Jerusalem. I want to stand at the Western Wall. Now tell me, what does a seven or eight-year-old know about world travel? Absolutely nothing, or in my case, absolutely nothing. But in hearing his stories, a desire to visit 
the homeland of God, the city of Jerusalem, the western wall, which is the remains of the temple, that desire was birthed in me, and, and it remained with me, and it, it stayed with me until a number of years ago when a friend of Jackson's called and said, our church is going to Israel. Why don't you and Nita go with us? And Jackson came to see me and said, would you like to go to Israel? And I said, absolutely. That has been a dream of mine since I was seven or eight years old. So we went. We landed in Tel Aviv. We spent time around the Sea of Galilee. Our tour guide on that particular trip kept telling us that Jerusalem was the most beautiful city in all of the world, and he being an exceptional tour guide, arranged for an entrance into Jerusalem that would convince us of his words. We entered Jerusalem from the side where you come in through a very long, dark tunnel through the mountain, and he timed it such that as we came out of the tunnel, the rays of the setting sun were gilding the walls of the old city of Jerusalem, and the walls were just glowing and the lights of the city were beginning to come on. And I was convinced, and I remain convinced today, that Jerusalem is the most beautiful city in all of the world. On the day that we were to visit the Western Wall, we arrived and it was busy. There were lots of people there. And I had to wait my turn to get to the wall with my prayers that were written for me to put in a crack in the wall. And when it was finally my turn and there was a clear space, I walked up to the wall and I, I put, put my prayer in the wall and then I put my hands on the wall and it was as if I could feel an electric current flow through the wall. It was as if the wall were alive. And I stood there, and I thought about the song from the group Mercy Me. I can only imagine, and I realized that I didn't have to imagine anymore, that I was feeling the presence of God with so much strength and so much power that this could only be the way it felt to be in heaven, to be wrapped in the presence of God was just amazing. If I could have figured out how to stay there, I would still be there today. But that's not physically possible, so I had to leave. The good news is we've been back a couple of times since then. The second time I went, I thought it won't be the same. It was just because I was so excited about being somewhere that I had always wanted to be, but it was the same. And the third time we went, I thought, oh, it won't be the same. It will be different. I've been twice before, but I was wrong again. It was the same. The presence of God, the Spirit of God is touchable in the city of Jerusalem. At least it is for me. The presence of God is palpable. You can feel it in an amazing way there. I have assured, Jesus, uh, I've assured Jackson that I will go back to Jerusalem every opportunity I get for the rest of my life. Another little story about me, just a quick one. I love gospel music, good old-fashioned southern gospel. I love the Gaithers, etc. And there's a song, there's a group called the Hoppers, and they do a song called Jerusalem. And I'm going to read you the first verse of that song. 
the first verse and the chorus go like this. John saw a city that could not be hid. John saw the city. Oh, yes, he did. John caught a glimpse of the golden throne. Tell me all about it. Go right on. Around the throne he saw the crystal sea. There's got to be more. What will it be? I want to go. I want to go to that city he saw, the new Jerusalem. Jerusalem, I want to walk your streets that are gold, and I want to run where the angels have trod. Jerusalem, I want to rest on the banks of your river in that city, the city of God. Now stay with me. Those are my stories. Let me explain. The journey from Jerusalem, the city that Jesus entered, the city that we know of today that is in the nation of Israel, the journey from that Jerusalem to the new Jerusalem spoken of in the song that I just read you the lyrics to is a long-distance journey. It's not an easy journey. It is a journey of faith. It can be a very difficult journey for some, and the difficulty of that faith journey is attested to in the story of the last week of Jesus' life, the story that we just read the beginning of from the Gospel of Mark. When Jesus turned his face to Jerusalem, he knew it would be for the last time. He needed to make a statement. He needed to make the, the most conclusive statement that he had made up till that point. Now, keep in mind, Jesus was normally pretty understated, pretty low-key. He healed people. He raised the dead. And often he said to people, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody what happened. Go see the priest if you need to, but don't spread the word. He was very good at staying out of the limelight, so good that if things began to draw attention to him, he would often leave and go to another city. But he was not avoiding the limelight right now, absolutely not. People were cheering him on as he entered Jerusalem. Some of the religious leaders of the day scolded him and said, make your followers stop cheering. And he said, no, because if they don't raise their voices, the very stones will cry out. So why now? Why is Jesus making a big deal of who he is and making this kind of statement right now? It's because he knew that it was a long journey from the triumphant entry to the end of the week when people would be calling for his death. You see, the professional religious folks of the day, they, had, they, they were the, the last generation of a multitude of generations that had spent a lot of time debating when the Messiah was going to come, how they would know the Messiah, how they would recognize the Messiah. They had spent a, years, generations, interpreting the scripture that we call the Old Testament. And these folks were pointing fingers at Jesus and saying, he's not it. He's not it. They were pointing fingers at Jesus and saying that the miracles that he had worked, the signs that he had provided were signs of demon possession, that they were of the devil. There was no grace in these Pharisees and Sadducees. 
they were accusing him of being in cahoots with the devil. He had spent three years preaching, teaching, and performing miracles and trying to very gently, lovingly, and graciously bring everybody around to what he was trying to teach, and they were having none of it. There were some things, however, that this group agreed with. They agreed that the Messiah would come from the east, from the Mount of Olives, that the Messiah would come on a donkey, and that the Messiah would enter Jerusalem through the beautiful gate with the twin arches of justice and mercy. So it didn't matter that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which is the pro where the prophet said the Messiah would come from. It didn't matter that he healed the sick and caused the blind to see and caused the lame to walk, which was another prophecy about the Messiah. None of that mattered. There were people who still did not believe that that's who he was. So he set the stage. He set the stage, and he called everyone to make a decision. He came in from the Mount of Olives. He rode on a donkey based on the prophecy from Zechariah that he would that the Messiah, the king coming in peace, would ride on a donkey. And he came in immediately before Passover, which is when the hope for the Messiah was the highest, when people were most excited, when people were most looking for the Messiah. And the people responded. They responded and they cheered him on. They put cloaks in the, the dry, dusty road so the dust would not rise up in his face. If they didn't have a cloak to put down, they cut branches down and put it down. They shouted Hosanna, which is a, a combination of a praise, a shout of praise and a call to God, a prayer to save us. They were excited. He was announcing to the world that he was the Messiah and they were responding. But the rest of the week brought confusion. Jesus had just told them who he was, but he didn't act like the Messiah that they were expecting. He surprised some people. He disappointed some people. He angered some people. And by the end of the week, many people turned on him. Stay with me. We're talking about the journey from the city of Jerusalem that is located in the nation of Israel to the city of the new Jerusalem, which is the home of God where we will spend eternity. Jerusalem represents wherever we are today. For the people in Jesus' day, it represented the actual city. It represented Passover. It represented God. For us, it represents wherever we are in our faith journey today. New Jerusalem, the city of God, is the eternity with God. It is the, the eternity in the presence of God. And the journey that we make from here, Jerusalem, to there, the new Jerusalem, is a journey of faith and it is every bit as difficult for us today as it was for the people in Jerusalem in Jesus' day. The people who cheered him on as he entered Jerusalem and then lifted their voices to call for his crucifixion at the end of the week because they wanted something specific 
from the Messiah. They weren't willing to accept the king that he was coming to be. Now, folks, the death on the cross had to happen. It wouldn't have mattered if only one person had cried out for his death on the cross. That's what God had decreed had to happen. But the people who saw the signs and still refused to believe, that is a condemnation of the sinful nature of people. They did not want to believe because Jesus didn't do it the way they thought that he should do it and because they didn't want to change their own lifestyles. The uncomfortable news for today is that we have the same sinful nature. And even though we have even more reason to believe than the people watching Jesus enter the city of Jerusalem, we still often refuse to believe because Jesus doesn't act the way we want him to act because he doesn't do for us what we want the Messiah to do. The question for today is, are we any better at making that journey than the people that we've read about who were making that journey with Jesus into the city of Jerusalem? Are we any better than they are? Or do we deny the Messiahship, the Lordship of Christ, by our words and by our deeds and call for his crucifixion just as loudly as they did. The journey from here, wherever here he is, to there, from Jerusalem to New Jerusalem, is a journey of faith. Are we willing to accept the lifestyle changes that come when we call Jesus Lord and Savior and walk that journey ourselves. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.